We are Awakened Church in Bonesse, and this is our podcast. Welcome. Good evening and welcome. Hello, I'm uh, Stephen Jeans here to present to you, and I'm very blessed and I feel really grateful that you invite me to your celebration this evening. Um, I'm sort of a roaming person. I've been to many different churches, so <laughs> that's right. If I was Catholic, I'd be a roaming Catholic, right? So, so uh, tonight, tonight is peace. Yeah, I, that's a good one, I hope. <laughs> no offense, no offense. Uh, Christmas star party. And what I'd like to do is literally have a star party with you tonight. The clouds are clearing. I brought two telescopes. One is in my car and the other one is here. So immediately after the service, anyone who wants to stick around, doesn't take long, I can bring up Jupiter and Saturn at least so we can have some fun tonight. All right, so let's unfold a little bit about who I am and what I am and that way you get an idea for this. I teach Earth and Space Sciences at Ambrose University and at Mount Royal University. Um, I am a lecturer at Ambrose University and I'm a sessional at Mount Royal University. And so it's, you'll say, those don't go together, do they? Well, yeah, they do. It's rocks on this planet or rocks on other planets, right? Um, geology and geoscience is my background. I also work with the oil companies on occasion. So that's, that's where the astronomy comes in. It's been a hobby since I was a kid, so I have lots of fun with that. These ugly mugs are the older students that I teach at Ambrose University, and they know that because Nicole's here tonight. <laughs> she's, she's there front and center. And uh, at Ambrose, we also have a Christmas celebration coming up on the 8th, Friday at 8.30, which is lovely music and stuff like that. You're welcome to attend. I believe it's uh, inexpensive for adults and kids and people to, to go to. All right, so tonight's theme is astronomical light. Astronomical light. I'm going to try and blend, maybe not completely. I'm not a theologian by background, but I do dabble in religion besides just attending and sitting like a lump, you know. And, no, not that you are, not that you are, but this is, this is something that I have done on occasion. I've given presentations on the Star of Bethlehem many, many times. Uh, so if you happen to catch City TV News last night, uh, you know, they, they had a segment about me on there uh, doing Star of Bethlehem at Mount Royal uh, on, on Friday night. Okay, so let's start off with darkness, the opposite of light. That's space. And the darkness is lack of information for astronomers. It's lack of energy. When you think about open space and the blackness of space, the reason why there isn't any light there is there's no energy there. It's cold. It's minus 272 degrees Kelvin. It's really like, ugh. All right? So that's why space is different than light. Of course, some other day, invite me, and I'll talk about dark matter and dark energy. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Entropy is when things get stretched out so far that their energy doesn't do any good anymore, right? And that's basically space in the absence of light. So what I'm gonna do is use that as a metaphor to connect together the issues of our world a little bit and where we should be going with Christmas and the season, the holiday. So if you think about things like the wars and conflicts, uh, the problems between peoples, uh, even, even for instance, I know a neighbor who he doesn't like to direct his gutters in the right direction and floods everybody. And I said, can't you move the gutter? Now he's mad and won't talk to me. You know, common sense. And so I've been trying to be Christian about this. And every day I'm saying, I'm sorry, can we talk again? And no, he doesn't want to do that yet, but we'll get to it. We're working on it. 
So you see, there's conflict everywhere, and we have to learn to live with this and find ways of dealing with it. And Isaiah, Isaiah 60, which I'm working on today, and Matthew 2, I'm going to try and link those two together with the theme of light. So this is going to be interesting. I hope you bear with me, and we'll give it our best shot. Anyway, um, the part of darkness that's interesting to me is mourning and sorrow and dreading all the things you haven't done or wanted to do or didn't get around to. And I've, I can feel that. I've had a few losses in my life. And there's been a few Christmases where I didn't celebrate very much. And so I feel very happy and blessed this year to be a part of so many good activities. Anyway, so let's get that out of the way and start off with what are we going to do to get rid of darkness? Well, there's a couple of ways to do it. One is prayer. And I'm not disrespecting or dissing prayer. I do it a lot. But prayer in and of itself, in my mind, is a good thing to offer. You're asking for God's indulgence. But we're all corporeal beings. We live on a planet. So I then say, what about science? Well, science doesn't deal with the whole individual. Science is very limited in its understanding. So when I talk about light and science with you tonight, I'm really not saying science is different or any better. Science has a wheelhouse that's very tiny. If we can't touch it, taste it, explore it, then it isn't real to us. So things like what came before the Big Bang? Scientists go, ah, uh, you know, whereas we can say, well, hey, could have been somebody started the Big Bang. Let's have a talk about that, which gives scientists a hard problem. So, you know, but faith, to me, true faith is where you, you have your prayer, you have your thoughts, your feelings for others, but as you're doing it with your uh, food, uh, growing the crops and having the, the cookie sales and, or just giving them away, wow, you're doing it, right? Keep doing it. It's lovely. All right, so darkness. Here I've got an actual thing that's pretty dark. This is a black hole. This is actually a supermassive black hole. It is monstrously big. It is bigger than the one we have in our own galaxy. This one is in a galaxy far, far away from here, but close enough that we could make a telescope the size of the Earth. Yes, we did. We made a telescope the size of the Earth, and we took a picture of the black hole. The black hole is the black thing in the middle. The stuff around it is the fact that the black hole is sucking in so many stars and destroying them that it's pulling them apart. And the energy that's in those stars is what we're seeing as their last gasps as they fall into the black hole. So that light is called a torus or an accretion disk. And that thing is around the black hole. So we would not even know the black hole was there. It's the absence of light if it were not for the light around it, the people struggling around it to say, hey, wait a minute here. There's some information to gather. So astronomers deal with the information, not with the absence of information. We can take light and tell you something about what the light is telling us. So there's where I'm getting to my message for today. Your pastor was the one who came up with the idea, not me. Okay, so there you go. She's the creative one. I'm just the, the handmaiden, as it were. I'm the one carrying out the job. That's right. So the light that shines in the darkness is me. But radical peace, which I'm learning a lot more about since uh, talking with her, is, is very, very important to me now. And I want to carry that through in the message. All right, so let's get on with it. The universe is dark, but light is in the universe, and light takes a long time to travel. Notice the astronomers with star parties always use just red light. 
That's because that doesn't hurt the eyeballs and it doesn't ruin your night vision. So that's, that's a good one. So if you're ever going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, take a red light with you, not a white one. That way you can see and not stub your toe, right? And you don't ruin your, eye, your vision. You can get back to sleep. Uh, if you've got an alarm clock that you know, is green and blue and you're not sleeping well, change it to a red filter. Put a red cellophane over top. That'll help. Really? Okay, so how does light travel? Very fast. From the Earth to the moon takes less than a second. Well, a little more than a second. See, about um, two-thirds of the way out to the moon is one second. So if we talk to somebody on the moon, you say something, and you ever wonder when you hear those NASA ones that it's beep, and then you wait two seconds, and then they respond. Light, sound, electromagnetic waves take time to travel. It takes time to inform somebody about something. It's not instantaneous. If you look at Earth, we get light that takes over eight minutes to get to us, eight minutes and 20 seconds. Believe it or not, when you go and take a sunbathe, you know, and, and soak in the rays first thing in the morning, you're not getting fresh light. That's stale. It's taken it eight and, and minutes and 20 seconds to get to you from space. That's a long time. As a matter of fact, the light's been rattling around in the sun for about 10,000 years before it even came out the surface. So that's stale old light. Even if it's an old message, it still feels good, doesn't it, when you get it and soak it up? Yeah. All right, it takes one hour to get out just past Jupiter. So it's flown past Earth in eight minutes, but to get just past Jupiter on its way to Saturn is about an hour. So when we look at Jupiter through the telescope tonight, you're not seeing Jupiter as it is right now. You're seeing it as it was at 4.20 this afternoon. Is that weird? Astronomers are the only ones who can time travel. I can show you a star that was born when Jesus was born. Isn't that cool? Because here's how it works. There's our whole solar system. You can see there's Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. All the other planets, Earth and the rest, are in that small little cluster at the beginning, so there's no names on those. Pluto, of course, a non-planet. What a shame, poor Pluto. And this shows you Voyager spacecraft, which has in past flown out of our solar system. So far out, we say that it's in interstellar space. It's gone past the heliopause. This is now one light year away. When we get a message from that spacecraft, which we're still getting messages from that spacecraft, that message was written to us in light, electromagnetic waves, and beamed to us one whole year ago. That's how long it took to get the message. Which is the closest star? Find it, point it out. Can you see it? Huh? No, 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 that's not the closest, no. That little spot there, do you see that spot? That's not it. But I'll zoom in and you'll see Alpha Centauri A and Beta Centauri. Those two stars are extremely close to us. But that little red dot, not the red circle, there's a tiny red dot in that circle. That tiny red dot is Proxima Centauri. That is the closest star to us. Here's how far it is. Memorize the number. Okay. 
to make our lives easier as astronomers, we summarize things as I'm doing today and probably slaughtering it, but I'm summarizing at least 4.25 light years. It takes the message four and a quarter years to get to us from that star. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so the message sometimes that astronomers are getting, it's old, but we know how to interpret it. And that's what I want you to do tonight. Here's an example. Uh, this is a lovely little star, right? And you notice there's a fuzzy blob right on the top right of the star, right in between those points. That one is a galaxy. Now the star is only 200 light years away, only. But that fuzzy blob is another galaxy like ours. It's another city of stars. It's another group of lights in the sky. That one is 10 million light years away. So when we look at it now, we're looking at it as was 10 million years ago. And it's probably moved or changed since then. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. It basically takes light 100,000 light years to get across our galaxy. So if there's an alien on the other side, we're going to say, hi, guess how long we got to wait before we get a message back? 200,000 years. Oh, man. Zoom out again. Here's our galaxy called galaxy. It's not the Milky Way, by the way. That's just what we see. And over there is another galaxy. That's Andromeda Galaxy, which was discovered by Hubble. And it takes 25 galaxies worth of distance between there, here and there. So that's 2.5 million light years away. In other words, when we look up in the sky at other galaxies, there's this gulf of no information between us and them. Little lights, little cities of knowledge all over the universe, and probably more life. We don't know what was seeded out there. Here's Andromeda Galaxy. Look how beautiful that is. That has lots of stars. Here's a barred spiral galaxy. This is 70 million light years away. Here's another one. This one is 232 million light years away. Rubens Galaxy, quite nice. That bright star, by the way, is not in the galaxy. That's in our galaxy, blocking the view. It's, it's a photobomber, okay? Now these go with my theme of warring nations. Guess what's happening here? This is the Stephenson Quintet. See these two ones that look like two eyeballs in the front? Those two galaxies have collided with each other and they're sort of like going to become one bigger galaxy. One is cannibalizing the other one. So all the stars are blending together. We're getting, you know, a bigger galaxy if we combine our efforts, if we put our stuff together. All right, so how does this connect with all the stories? Let's get on to the, the story. We'll start with, of course, uh, Matthew 2, and we'll talk about magi and gifts. Notice here are three wise guys, uh, three wise men, probably not kings. These guys are Zoroastrian astrologers, more than likely. In other words, they were the smart people of their age. Science hadn't been invented yet. But notice in front, right next to Joseph, you have gold, frankincense, and myrrh, bringing gifts from far away. Well, if you take a, a look at the reading, it's the light is on its way. Not only is the light on its way, but these are people from other nations, three other nations that are bringing their light into Jerusalem. And as they're bringing them in, 
They're returning the gifts. They're bringing the gifts to the child, not just for the child, but to say, you know, we're sorry, we want to be part of this. They want to welcome the new king. And this is what's happening with this. It's a peace accord. It's a negotiation. Include us in your kingdom. So when they saw the star and stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Why would these people from other countries be so overwhelmed with joy? But that's Matthew. So now this takes us to Isaiah. Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Abundance, camels, these are all mentioned in the reading. Incense, sheep, uh, rams. Trust, because other kings will trust what's going on here. When you get the message, when you get the right light, you can trust your knowledge. You can trust what's going on. All right, I'll take you back to astronomy again, try and connect some of this together. One image, are those things at different distances, do you suppose? Well, first you see this bright streak going through the sky. That bright streak going through the sky is called a bolide. That bolide is a meteor. Look at the information coming out of that. Do you see the colors? For an astronomer, the colors tell us what is it made out of. The spectrum of colors that come off of a meteor passing through the Earth's atmosphere. It's getting energy from the Earth. The Earth is giving it energy. And when it gets energy, it can release its products. These little atoms are breaking free, and they light up and tell us what's going on inside. Now, you would think that is such a honking big bright light because that thing is 60 kilometers per second, 100 kilometers elevation for that particular one. 100 kilometers up. To be that powerful that 100 kilometers away, we see it that bright. How big is that? How big to be that powerful a light? Size of a blueberry. This is one of those. I'll send it around, you can have a look at it. That's an actual meteor, the size of a blueberry. So it doesn't take much to be a bright light. Uh-huh. Oh, and by the way, that's a galaxy, that fuzzy one on the side over there. That one's millions of light years away, because that's Andromeda. All right, so the ancients didn't understand astronomy the way we are, so maybe the Bible might have been written a little differently if it was written today, because we have new knowledge of what's going on, and maybe light would be combined with it. But they looked at the sun as a god because the sun gives energy and warmth and makes the plants grow and makes the seasons happen, and boy, the sun's important. So that's how they viewed it. We know the sun today because we can take actual movies and pictures of it and look at it in space. We're sending a probe to the sun right now. That is a hot plasma ball. It's giving off energy because it's got its own internal light that it's giving off, which I think still fits well with biblical stories. But we get the streaming beams of light here on Earth, crepuscular rays, or these are called God rays when you see them coming out of clouds. Isn't that gorgeous? What a name for them, God rays. Yeah, astronomers do keep the traditional words for things, so they're, they're okay with that. Astronomers are actually the better one if you want to talk to any sciences about you know, faith and science. Astronomers do have a lot. All right, but here's what it looks like if you use just the UV light. You get to see people in a different light. Well, this person here is a guy, and just like all guys, we're covered in cooties. That's bacteria all over the person, and they fluoresce in UV light. So that's just one wavelength of light. Isn't that neat? Astronomers can get information from just one wavelength of light. Okay, so in Isaiah it says, the light of Zion, though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, so I talked about the gloom, 
the Lord will shine upon you. So Isaiah is all about the Lord's giving you light. But if you read that entire Isaiah 60, it's not about that. It's about now you've got the light. Now you've got to bring the light out. It's now your job to share the message. Get the message in where you can. Lift up your eyes and look around. Wake up. You've got the energy now. You can give the light off. This is what Isaiah is asking you to do in that. Here's a dog in infrared light. You can see where the hottest parts of the dog are, the eyeballs, the snout, the tongue. Look at how hot the tongue is, right? But look at the cool spot. Is a dog's nose cool? Yes, so it looks darker in this picture, right? The tips of the ears, the fur, that's cooler. His face is warmer. So the message can be in the light. And what is this woman doing that she's trying to hide? <laughs> Infrared can show you what you might not want to see. So the message might all, not always be perfect. Okay, so keep that in mind. That's why we have more than one telescope. That's why we have more than one Bible, more than one way to communicate with people, more than one kind of service. There's a picture taken by the Hubble Space Telescope of Jupiter. Here's a picture taken by James Webb. And you'll say, well, there must be something wrong between these two telescopes because those two pictures don't look the same to me. What's the difference? Two different ways of telling the same story using different wavelengths of light. This one is more full spectrum, visual. This one is more infrared. Okay? You can choose how you give your message, which is what I'm doing today. And you guys, I hope, are getting it. Here's Saturn in natural light again. This is from Cassini. Isn't that gorgeous? Look at that plane of that disc. It's so skinny when you hit it edge on. Here's Saturn using infrared light. Isn't that cool? All right, so my message is peace. And what I want to talk about is that if you're looking at Isaiah, it talks about how do you get this? You get this because your gates are open. That's clearly in there. Your gates are open. Your walls are salvation. In other words, your door never closes to new ideas, new information, new people, or for people to come in, seek shelter, learn from you, get from you. And I see this from Isaiah. So light, the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel, the sun will never set, the moon will never wane, everlasting light. One star. Two star? Red star? How did you know that? There's blue star. <laughs> Each star has a different color. This is important. Astronomers study stars, and they actually have different lifespans depending on their color. The color tells us everything. The light tells us everything about them. It's wonderful to learn about stars. This is a dying star. Gives off its last light before it fades into oblivion. All right, peace, radical peace, peace from the light. Uh, Jesus himself went up and stood at the podium in Luke, read from the scrolls, and in the scrolls what Jesus is saying is that I am the spirit, it's on me. I give sight to the blind, I help set the oppressed free. He is the new message, the new light. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness 
like the stars forever and ever. Why do you want to be more like a star than the sky? Here's why. The sky is blue. Oh, and by the way, those are kind of cool clouds. These are sun dogs or fire clouds, all rainbow color, because, well, that, when they get struck just the right way, it you know, refracts the light. It's very cool. The sky is only blue during the day. What color is the sky at night? Yeah, absence of light. The sun is on the other side of the earth, right? Because the sun goes around us. And when it moves over there, that was a joke, we don't see any light, right? Okay, so the sky itself is just a conduit for others' light, the star, the sun. So you don't want to just be the conduit, you want to give off the light. So the, the, the atmosphere, the sky is only blue because the atmosphere collects the light from the sun. Here's an example of aurora borealis. And tonight, close to midnight, is a very good one for aurora as a possibility. Right? Ask me if you want to know more. The sky is also subject to perturbations. A jet flying by, look at the sun. It's not perfect. It's all wobbly. Why? Because the jet is disturbing the light. Here's Venus. Why do we see Venus? Is Venus giving off its own light? It's reflecting light. It's only repeating the message from the sun. That's not a new message. That's not a new interpretation. Yes, bring them in. I'm coming to that. Here's a person standing. Look at the shadow from the person. Believe it or not, this shadow is caused by Venus. The light of Venus is at least enough to cast a little shadow on the person. So let me, let me try and wind up these thoughts. I hope they weren't too out there and missed any marks, but uh, I'm trying hard to put three things together at the same time. You're called to be a pure light. Righteousness, your taskmaster and well-being. Again, finishing off Isaiah, you are the light. You are called to give your message, your interpretation, your spectral colors of this message. Bring it in the way you think it matters to the people you talk to. That's my message. So now, I'm going to blow up a pickle. Let me explain what this has to do with everything. But first, first, first a song. As the kids are here, so I want to sing you a song. Are you ready? Okay, you just missed the first part of what I talked about in my sermon, okay? So I'm going to preach it to you again, but I'll do it in a song. So I'm going to say everything, and I want you to memorize it because you're going to sing it back. Are you ready? Okay. Whenever life gets you down and things seem hard or tough, and church is stupid, obnoxious, or daft, and you feel you've had quite enough, I don't sing well. I'm trying. Just remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving and rotating at 1,700 kilometers an hour. We orbit at 30 kilometers a second, so it's reckoned a star that's the source of all our power. The sun and you and me and all the stars that we can see are moving 19 million kilometers a day in an outer spiral arm at 800,000 kilometers an hour of the galaxy we call the Milky Way. Now the Milky Way itself contains 400,000 stars. No, millions. 
It's a hundred thousand light years side to side. It bulges in the middle, 63,000 light years thick, but out by us, it's just 3,000 light years wide. We're 27,000 light years from galactic central point. We go around every 220 million years, and our galaxy is only one of two trillion in God's amazing and expanding universe. The universe itself keeps on expanding and accelerating in every direction it can whiz as fast as it can go at the speed of light, you know. That's 300,000 kilometers a second, and that's the fastest speed there is, sort of. So remember when you're feeling kind of small and insecure, how amazingly unlikely is your birth? And hope that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space, because there's bugger all down here on Earth. Yeah. Okay, are you guys ready? Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So I've got a star chart. I have a star chart for everybody, and I'm going to teach you how to use it outside. Anybody who sticks around for a bit, and we'll have a star party, and I'll show you Jupiter and Saturn, okay? All right. But now, Science. I have to protect myself. I'm going to protect myself because I'm working with electricity here and so rubber gloves, which will hopefully, hopefully slow down the electrical flow into my body. I hope. Okay. And I brought a big pickle. This is a dill, no garlic, so it won't smell up the room too much. Okay. Uh, little gherkins are hard to get to work, so better to go with a big dill. And again, I'm going to protect your floor. You notice I'm not protecting the kids. It's just. <laughs> okay, pickle. Uh, let me describe what's going on. You're not. Don't plug me in yet. What's his name again? Derek. Derek. Don't plug me in. Yeah. Okay. This, this could be very exciting, especially if you see me fall on the floor and writhe around, or if I pee myself by accident. That's, don't, you're not plugging me in, right? No, not yet, not yet. Okay, so it's, it's, up to, it's up to you to scream and have Derek unplug me if anything unusual happens, like sparks fly out of my ears, okay? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I have to say this, do not try this at home. I'm a trained pickle expert, okay? I do this in my class all the time. Astronomers know that it's the energy coming from inside the star that gives you the, the message of what the star is. The planets just reflect light. You know what the surface of, of Venus is like? It's only white clouds we see a reflection of sunlight off it. But the sun gives off its own light, and our sun is a white sun. I showed you a red star, a blue star, a yellow star, remember? Stars are in different colors. The colors tell us what kind of star it is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a way to add energy to a pickle because the pickle itself, if we were to turn the lights down or off, doesn't give off any light. The, the pickle needs a message. It needs some energy in order for it to show us what's inside. Now, I'm assuming, my doctor tells me this, that I've got to lower my sodium 
Pickles have a ton of salt in them, and that's sodium chloride. Sodium chloride, when it gets excited, gives off a yellow color. And this pickle here could be full of sodium. And that's what we're going to test and see. So it will tell us a message if we give it some energy. And that's what we're going to do right now. And for those of you who are scientists, it's actually called the double D line of sodium. Apologies for that. But that's what it is. It's two lines of yellow in the yellow spectrum. OK? All right. OK, the lights are lowered. I think we're ready now. Are you ready to plug me in? All right, go for it. And remember, if I scream, you unplug me. Here we go. Don't say uh-oh. I don't want to hear uh-oh. OK, here it comes. I can hear it. Watch, listen, smell. Look at that. Do you see that? OK. Uh, it looks like it's going to explode. You better pull it out. I think we're done. Oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, where's my remote? No, I wouldn't eat that. That's chemically different now. All right, so lights, please. We're done. Thank you. Any questions? Did we do okay? Was that a good finish? All right, I'll hand it back to you then. Thank you, everybody. Awaken Church is located in McKinstis, specifically the neighborhood of Bonas. Most of us are settler descendants who have benefited from the legacy of colonialism and forced assimilation, which continues to harm the people of this land. We are committed to reckoning with our history and taking action towards reconciliation as envisioned by Indigenous leaders and knowledge keepers. Treaty 7 was signed not so long ago between the sovereign nation of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, the Sutina, and the Canadian government. We honour that at the heart of the treaty was a dream for a shared future, and we wholeheartedly believe in this dream. For information on who we are and how you can support the work of Awaken, check us out at awakenchurch.ca. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Awaken Bonus.